So how to succeed while while failing? That was the name of the, the our initial talk. Basically, I explained about and something that I've always wanted to to get across in this podcast. And I think you really you showed me that it was possible to articulate it that day, which was like you need to stop seeking out the approval of your parents, of the people around you. That reassurance is futile. Yeah, reassurance is a trap. And the reason it's a trap, and in this moment of worldwide tragedy, so many people want to be reassured. Yeah. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be gone in a week. Everything's going to be fine. But you know it's not enough because 10 minutes from now you need more of it because it yeah. wears off. It's so much healthier to say, uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we're resilient. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be a slog. That being realistic about the fact that you don't know what's going to happen, opens the door for you to lead and to contribute. Because if you are contributing and leading, you get out of your own head and you can right. start working for other people. That's why this is called Meet the Creatives New York, not Meet the Selfish People New York. Right. Because what it means to be a creative is to ship work that matters. Yeah, exactly. For sure. And I think that Shipping the work is kind of like the, the the key word here. I know that you're somebody who's been, you know, a pro. And people always do this in your interviews. So I'm gonna make sure I don't do it. I, I told my wife like, my goal to go in is talk to Seth like we were sitting across each other at dinner, not doing the whole. You're a prolific bestseller, all that stuff. But nonetheless, you sit down and you work at the table all the time. You you blog every day. What's the record now? How how long has it been? It's more uh, than give or take a couple of days. Twelve years. That's that's pretty damn good. I mean, I, there was one day that there was a glitch, but I, I've been doing it for 20 years, pretty much. Wow, that's cool. I love how hard you are about this thing. I, see, me personally, I would have been like, 20 years, 20 years, haven't missed a day. Um, but, you know, what has your experience been along that journey, kind of just sitting down at the table to do work? You've written so many things. You're, very, you're really disciplined in that way. For someone who's maybe struggling to become that person, what's your advice? Yeah, publish lousy work. Right. Keep publishing, shitty work, yeah. keep publishing lousy work, and it will get better. But if you don't publish lousy work, it won't get better. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, if you it, there's a, a an album that's not easy to find of Billy Joel's original demos. Oh, really? And if you listen to them, they're terrible. They're terrible. Yeah. What business did he have showing up in the recording studio at all? They're right. terrible. If you listen to the old demos. That Crosby, Stills, and Nash did the 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 giant supergroup. Their second gig ever was at Woodstock. Yeah, right? yeah. The demos they're out of key. They don't work. You just the Beatles have a lot of. I love the Beatles. They have a lot of shitty songs. I'd say half, half their songs, songs are below average. Yeah, there's whole albums that are below average. I, I we could start tossing out CDs. Absolutely. Right. right. And so, you know, um, JR, I'm not messing with Billy Joel. I'm exactly, on I'm honoring Billy Joel yeah. because the idea is Billy Joel cared enough to show up again. Right. That's the point. It's not yeah. selfish. It's generous. Share enough, care enough, do it again. And if you don't have any skill, go get more skill. Right. Skill is acquirable. I don't care about talent. I think talent is mostly a myth, but skill, skill is something you can get. Yeah. You could always learn something new and then, and then work on that skill. You know, I talked to Christoph Neiman on the podcast and he's, you know, works for the New Yorker and, and he's, you know, 
high output, similar, sim similar to you in, in that way. And I said to him, he said that, that like sitting down and like working at getting better every day, no, will, it may take longer than you expect it to, but it will always surpass natural talent because natural talent implies that you're not really sitting down at the table to do the work. So eventually someone's yeah. going to outwork you, you know, it's like push-ups kind of thing. It has to be every day. So is the secret volume. I think so, right? I think so. Well, no, I think volume is a tactic. The right. secret is the practical empathy of realizing that if you want to be creative just for you, it's a hobby. And if you want to be creative for other people, it can be a profession. Yeah. But you don't know what they know. You don't want what they want. You don't believe what they believe. And so you've got to do it for other people. You are in a genre. You might not want to acknowledge you're in a genre, but you are. Right. Yeah. And so your work is going to rhyme with the work of someone who came before. That's part of what it means to be a professional. Yeah. And if you commit to being a professional, one of the tactics is to make small promises, keep them, make more promises. So when I started my blog, it was a lot like when you started your podcast. The first week, fewer than 10 people read it. How could it be any other way? For and sure. two, months, two months into it, it was still 100 people. Yeah. Should I have waited until I had 10,000 readers before I started my blog? That would have been impossible. Right. 